Productions. Due to suggestive adult themes and dialogue, this podcast is intended for adults. In other words, the truth is ugly, so we get ugly right along with it. Everything we say is out of love for ourselves, our people, and our community. Sincerely, the Green Route Podcast. Welcome back to the Green Route, season three, episode five. I I think. I'm gonna get it right at some point. I swear to God, I'm gonna get it right. Hey, but welcome back. Um, happy to be with y'all. I am solo dolo today, so it's me, my cup, my books, and um, and Kenny. We in this studio about to bring y'all um, some goodness. So yeah, we're gearing up for um, the next batch of episodes. Got some real dope guests coming your way. Got some return guests coming your way. Some of my favorites. Um, and then we got to get GS back on the show, y'all. Like I've been talking to my boy. And trying to figure out how we can get a cadence going where, um, you know, he is one of our return co-hosts along with Great Black Century, Laura Wise, Latoya, Henry, all of that. So anyway. All right. So I ain't going to even hold y'all. Um, we got five topics to get through today and um, we're going to run through these real quick and then I'm going to let y'all get out of here. By the way, I'm drinking tequila with fruit juice. Very simple. Um, no ice, because apparently y'all said that the ice be like an additional guest on the show. <laughs> might be picking that shit up. Um, But yeah, let's hop into it. All right. So first of all, um, we got to talk about the Colorado Supreme Court. And we've talked about this on the show before, but really the update around what's going on in Colorado with the attempt to keep Donald Trump off of the ballot in the state um, by way of the the Section 3 clause of the 14th Amendment. So as a reminder, y'all, let's go back and get a little history Section three of the 14th Amendment was written into that amendment during and after the Civil War. The whole point of the clause was to make sure that officers who were part of the Confederacy could not rejoin the Union and become an officer of the United States of America. So the clause pretty much says that anyone who had been involved in an insurrection or uprising against the United States is not allowed to hold an elected office in the United States of America, right? It, it, when you think about it, it makes sense for the Civil War. It's a very smart plug to put into that amendment. Well, months ago, some legal scholars, I guess, were reading the Constitution for, you know, shits and giggles. They were bored and they wanted some light reading. And someone came across this clause and was like, oh, shit, wait a minute. I think this actually could apply to Donald Trump. Now, as another reminder, this was after the second impeachment, right, where he was impeached, but he was never um, convicted. Right. But remember, there was a huge call from both the left and some people on the right, honestly, and also a large public call to put something into place to make sure that Donald Trump could not even be in the position to become president again. Well, No one ever, you know, stated that he was unfit to hold office. So he ran again. Right. He did what he did. Now he lost, but but he ran. So now what's happening is Donald Trump is the front runner. He is the clear front runner for the Republican um, presidential nominee nomination. Right. That there is no question there. DeSantis is is barely holding on the second. I will say maybe Nikki Haley is in third, right? Which and she got some great news today as well. So now that he's the front runner and he actually looks like he could very well defeat Biden in twenty twenty four, people are scrambling trying to figure out how the hell we keep this man out of office. 
So some legal scholars found this clause and was like, this probably does apply because we can argue that he was part of an insurrection and an uprising against the United States, given the January 6th Capitol incident, as well as all of the things that he's on trial for right now, including in Georgia, um, the election subversion case, all of that. Right. So a group of people get together. They go to a Colorado court and they're like, hey, we really need Donald Trump off this ballot. Here is the clause of the 14th Amendment that should apply to him. Well, a judge in Colorado, and let me make sure I got her name. I I believe it was Sarah Wallace. Sarah B. Wallace was her name. She decided at a lower, lower, lower level, lower court, that while Trump did engage in insurrection, that the, the Section 3 clause of the 14th Amendment does not apply to presidents. That's what came out of the first lawsuit in Colorado. Well, now there is an appeal being filed against that judge's ruling, and that appeal has just been received and approved by the Colorado Supreme Court. The Colorado Supreme Court now will hear, I'm sorry, will hear arguments from folks on, you know, the side of wanting to keep Trump off the ballot to see if number one, he actually did, you know, cause an insurrection. He aided and abetted, right, in causing an insurrection. And also for the judges to decide whether or not this clause and this amendment is directly applicable to the president. Now, here's what's interesting, too, about this. And let me open up my um, I'm opening up my camera to make sure I got the judge's name right. But here's here's what's also interesting about this is that Trump's legal team is also appealing the the ruling and the lawsuit. (laughs) And what they said was that Trump never actually swore an oath to and I quote support the Constitution. He actually swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. They are also arguing that the wording of the Section 3 um, clause does not apply to presidents because the president of the United States is not an office or an officer of the United States of America. A lot, a lot, a lot of detail. So Y'all, the arguments, the oral arguments for this appeal is going to start on December 6th. I believe I have that right. It's December 6th, and I'll I'll confirm that with you in a minute, too. Um, and yeah, he is pretty much expected to, um, well, his legal team is pretty much expected to try to defend, <clears throat> excuse me, his positioning um, by saying that, yeah, like the president isn't even an officer, so... Yeah, he may have engaged in insurrection, but the wording of the Section 3 clause specifically says that officers or that they cannot serve as an officer of the United States. So very interesting stuff. Um, Let me make sure I got the judge right. Sarah B. Wallace. Yes, she gave the original ruling and then oral arguments are set to begin on December 6th. So I think the biggest case in December that we need to be watching is probably this one because If Colorado is able to get this done, it sets precedent for other states that want to do the same thing. We saw similar lawsuits in Florida, Michigan and Arizona so far. So we could very well in 2024, depending on how these lawsuits play out, we could see different names on the presidential ballot in different states, depending on how judges are ruling in these different cases. 
crazy, but also America the Ghetto 2024. Like, welcome. Um, all right, number two. Let me see what else I got for y'all. Let's talk about Texas Supreme Court. Like, this is happening. So, um, yesterday, Tuesday, yes. Yesterday, um, Texas Supreme Court began hearing oral arguments um, on a lawsuit that was brought by the... Um, the off, let me get let me get this right too. The Office of Reproductive Rights, I believe. Uh, yes. So this lawsuit includes uh, dozens of women across the state of Texas, as well as doctors, um, reproductive um, services uh, offer offerers, um, as well as other people who just believe that women have the right to decide what the fuck happens with their body. <laughs> Long story short, so. These women brought these women and doctors, right? And these these service providers, they brought a lawsuit up to the state of Texas saying that the state's um very strict abortion bans do not allow for enough exceptions for women who um who are in danger when it comes to carrying a very dangerous or even an unwanted um pregnancy to term. So there are women who are involved in this lawsuit who are saying like, hey, because of the incredibly strict laws in this country or I'm sorry, in this state, but also in the country. Right. Um, my health was in danger. Right. Like I was literally on my deathbed because I had to carry a non-viable or an incredibly risky pregnancy to term. Now, background. Right. That's what we do. Remember that Texas had several trigger laws go into play when Roe v. Wade was overturned in 2021 or was it 2022? It's 2022. Roe v. Wade was overturned. So just last summer, um, just like Mississippi, you know, Oklahoma, a lot of these very conservative states had these trigger laws fall into place when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Well, now you have it to the point where like say in Lubbock, and I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, uh, Nathan and I, um, you have these places that are like, hey, you can't even use our highways, right? Our interstate connections to go and procure um, uh, an abortion out of state. If you are, you could be charged with potential felonies, right? And a lot of this is from civil cases. So someone seeing me traveling on the highway and thinking like, Oh, Marlissa's going to get an abortion and they snitch and turn me in. And all of a sudden I'm in trouble because <laughs> a civilian has snitched on me. Right. So Texas has a lot going on by way of well, Texas got a lot going on, period. But Texas has a lot going on by way of abortion rights. So this lawsuit is going to the Supreme Court. And really what they are fighting for <clears throat> are expanded exceptions when it comes to women who need, and I say need on purpose, who need an abortion, lest they risk their lives or their health in order to carry out a term, uh, a full pregnancy, a uh, full term pregnancy. I'm sorry. So oral argument started on on that yesterday. Again, another case where it could set precedent. Right. Because other states also have <clears throat> these um, these exceptions. And a lot of times it's like, in the case of rape, incest, or um, if the health, if the life of the mother is in danger. The argument here, though, from the plaintiffs is that these exceptions are far too narrow and far too limited in order to truly protect the patients, in this case, the mothers, um, from potential like 
you know, mortality, right? Because of a pregnancy being forced to be carried uh, full term. So another big case to be watching. Um, Texas is one of those states, y'all, that tends to trigger other states. So Mississippi, Texas, Florida, they tend to play off of each other where like, you know, legislators will look at what one state is doing and be like, oh, it worked for them. Here's how we can probably make it better. And then they'll go implement something seri- uh, uh, similar. The It works the other way, too, though. Right. When you see appeals and when you see challenges, you know, people who are looking to challenge the law of the land will look and say, OK, it worked down here. Here's where they could have like probably done a better job. Let's tweak our position or let's let's tweak our PR plan. Let's let's tweak our approach and go at it in our state. So very important case to be watching down here in Texas. Um, it could mean the expansion of exceptions when it comes to the abortion ban down here. So, yeah. I number three, man, we getting through this thing today. Let's talk about George Santos. This this guy. This guy, um, one of my favorite TikToks to date that I've ever put out, um, my five favorite lies that George Santos has told America. Um, it was like one where he said he saved a dog's life and then come to find out that the dog never actually got the money for the surgery that George Santos had promised and that the dog ended up dying. By the way, this was like a veterans like like, you know, um, pet, like service dog. It was it was a lot. Another one was that. um He told people that he was Jewish, right? He was like, when I learned about my family's, you know, Jewish history, I had a lot. And then, like, the Jewish community came out and was like, he ain't no motherfucking Jewish. Like, he ain't nobody on nobody's registry. We don't have no no type of, like, documentation or literature that shows that George Santos is Jewish. George Santos came back when he got caught up and said, I never said I was Jewish, I said that when I learned about my family's history, I was Jewish. I said, bro, if you don't get the fuck out of here, George Santos. So he been lying and come to find out he's been stealing. So George Santos came out this week or I'm sorry, uh, Friday. So that would have been like, I don't know what date was that Friday because today is the 29th. Y'all want to put this into perspective. Um, So he came out on the 24th of November and said that he expected to be ousted from the House of Representatives, if a vote goes to the floor this week. So again, backstory. George Santos survived an expulsion attempt just a few weeks ago. This was around the same time that Rashida Tlaib and Representative Rashida Tlaib and uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene were to be, um, there were resolutions to censure both of them. And remember, those were like trigger censures, right? Um, All of that got killed, right? He survived the expulsion attempt. And and it was really because members of the House on, on both sides was like, hey, hold on. The ethics committee is currently finishing up their investigation. Let's let due process play out, see what the ethics committee has to say, and then we'll think about expulsion. So they let them live. Well, the ethics committee, not I wouldn't even say a week later, came out with their report and that shit was damning. It was bad. Pretty much they were like, oh, not only did he do everything that he currently has federal charges against him for, we also found some other shit. That we're probably going to have to like turn over to the Justice Department and potentially bring more charges up. And one of the big things was him using campaign funds 
to literally like fund his lifestyle. Now, if you haven't seen George Santos, go look him up. Go look him up. Like he he dresses like he likes things. George Santos likes money. Um, mind you, he he cut a deal in Brazil where he had like written some bad checks. Like he had some fraud shit going on down there, so he had to cut a deal down in Brazil where he was wanted in order to like keep himself from going to big Brazil prison, right? So he is a known just like scammer and schemer on every level. So the 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 committee comes out with this report and was like, oh yeah, it's bad. It it's pretty bad. The new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson, apparently has conversations with George Santos like, yo, bro, here are your options. You probably need to walk the fuck away. After the report comes out, George Santos, who had already said that he was going to run for reelection in 2024. After the report dropped, he came back and was like, you know what? Never mind. I'm actually not going to run. We good. Well, the chairman of the House, House Ethics Committee then takes it a step further and says, yeah, not only are you not going to run, my boy, I am writing up a resolution right now to force a vote to expel you. Like, that's how bad this report is, right? That's how bad he is making people look, including his fellow New York representatives. So this week, we very well could see the resolution to force a vote hit the floor and a vote be taken. And George Santos is pretty much saying like the math ain't mathing for me to be saved. Not only are Democrats, I mean, Republicans talking about expelling me, so are the Democrats. And so he pretty much knows that his his time is up. But I mean, at the same time, you built your campaign on all lies and then that shit caught up with you. The only thing with George Santos is it happened with him quicker than it does most people in 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 politics right like he's a freshman representative he just got there he just he ain't even got his feet wet yet for real he just got there so his shit just caught up with him a lot quicker than other people but i mean it like karma's a bitch and i don't fuck with her i'm just saying so yeah we could also see george santos expelled from the house today that would also make history because he would be only the sixth representative ever expelled from the house in our country's history so another big thing to watch this week y'all uh number five let me go back to my list Uh, oh i want to say congratulations america because while we could talk about why numbers on black friday were you know down stores were empty all of that um, and that includes like late stage capitalism is fucking pricing us out of society. It's pricing us out of just, you know, hell, housing, food, all of that. Um, I was so proud when I got like on social media on Black Friday and I saw all of these retail workers documenting how empty these stores were. Now, I come from a generation, y'all, where... We would go to Thanksgiving for my uncle's house. This is when families were still getting together pre-COVID. And, you know, we couldn't stand each other, but we made it work for the weekend, right? We made that shit work. And usually the women, it would usually be my aunts, my sisters, maybe my mama would get up and go. My cousins, they would go like hit Walmart or something, right? Go stand in the line and do the Black Friday thing. Get out there about, I don't know, midnight or something. I don't know what time people get out there. I never went. But And they would come home with just shit, right? Just stuff. And I think because then the deals were actually dealing. 
um, the math with math. And it was definitely just a big part of like American consumerism. Right. Um, people could also afford to 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 go. There was a little bit more discretionary income, disposable income where you could get out there and just really shop. Well, we know that in 2023, that is not the case. Right. We saw people lining up at the Golden Corral to go get Thanksgiving dinner because that was cheaper than than buying groceries to feed families this year. So things have certainly changed in this country. So I was so proud when I took to Twitter and TikTok and all the socials and saw retail workers documenting like, yo, they staffed up all of us, right? We're all in this store to work and ain't nobody in this bitch. We also saw retail workers like pulling back the little tabs to show that there was actually no deal. They just put a higher price and cross that hoe out and put the regular price <laughs> on there and like put a little black strip that said a Black Friday deal, right? So I just want to say congratulations, America. Like we are a consumer nation, right? It's what we do. It is, it is why we were in trouble come COVID because we don't make shit here anymore. Like manufacturing has literally gone overseas because companies have gotten incredibly greedy and want to pay somebody a couple bucks an hour rather than a fair wage, right? Where back in grandma's day, granddaddy's day, you could work that job and, and feed your family and buy a house and cars and put your kids through college. We don't do that anymore. So we we just become a society of of consumers. Like we didn't even have masks for ourselves when COVID hit, right? So it was nice to watch our country and our countrymen reject that. And I think it's for several reasons. Number one, yes, the economy is in the fucking dump, right? I was just sitting here talking to Kenny about the workforce and just how companies are getting rid of so many people and people don't really know that they don't know what to do when they don't have that check every two weeks no more. Like we've lost our hustle and our bustle. Um, but also I think there's pushback because our country is just not upholding their portion of the societal contract, wherein if I am a contributing member to society, I should have certain things, including decent housing, decent food, clean water, clean air, decent roads. My school should have books, things like that. And all of us are working. We're going to these jobs. We're paying our taxes. And yet the things that are supposed to be there, the buckets of money that are supposed to be there to aid us seems to be going elsewhere. And we'll get into that in a later episode. So I think there was a, there was, there was obviously some economic red tape, right? That kept people from going there. Um, people's pockets just ain't as deep anymore. But I think there was also like this cultural pushback of like, fuck y'all and y'all stores and y'all money grab because like people are homeless and dying and rent is crazy high and, a, and turkey legs are $27 for two of them. Like, it's just crazy. So congratulations, America. Um, now I did hear that y'all went shopping on, uh, Cyber Monday online, but hopefully that was for shit you needed. You know what I mean? Not no bullshit. All right. And number five, um, kind of in the same vein. <clears throat> um, over the holidays, and I was in L.A., I spent I spent Thanksgiving in L.A. with the fam. And um, one thing I kept seeing when I turned on the local news in Los Angeles was the coverage of these uh, retail smash and grabs. Right. <laughs> and I think we've probably talked about this on this show before, but. 
I was sitting there with my family and as they're watching the news, like my family did what a lot of people do. They were like, that's just ridiculous. Y'all ghetto. Da, 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 da. And I'm just thinking like, oh, that's such an easy way to explain what you're seeing here. Right. Like it's such an easy way to dismiss what we're seeing. And so I and I, I didn't do this right because I've decided like when it comes to family, I'm not going to kill their vibe. Like I'm going to let them live. I'm not going to get too deep. But I want to talk about it here because. There are ways to not only predict those things, but to quantify those things happening. And the way to predict it is something called the Gini coefficient, G-I-N-I. This is named after a statistician who developed the theory of this. What this coefficient does is it quantifies inequality, wealth inequality in particular, in a particular region. So most like world finance organizations will do this by country. Um, The most uh, inequality written country that we know of right now is South Africa. Their coefficient is 0.68. So mind you, the coefficient will run from zero to one, right? Um, With zero being the most equal society you can imagine and one being the least equal, most most unequal society that you can imagine. So South Africa sits at 0.68, and that was of 2022, I believe. America sits at 0.54. Make sure I'm getting this right, too. Yes. America was sitting at 0.54 in 2022, meaning that we ain't doing that great either, right? We're a pretty unequal country when it comes to income inequality and wealth distribution. Well, one of the theories that has been proven with the Gini coefficient says that for every one decibel that um, that the coefficient goes up, crime and specifically the crimes of theft against businesses will go up 4%. So long story short, and we all know how coefficients work, or at least my generation does. I don't know what they teach in this school now. But <laughs> what that is pretty much saying is the more unequal your society is, the more of a chance you have of theft against businesses in particular happening. And there is a ton of data out there. Just literally just Google the Gini coefficient, right? And, and Google Gini coefficient and crime same time. And there are all the studies that this statistician did that showed from cities to states to countries that the more unequal a society is, the more crime against businesses and thievery that they have. So when you see these smash and grabs on the uprise, right, we've seen stores closing in cities like um, like San Fran in L.A., right? We saw several stores here in Dallas close because they're like, you know, the crime is getting too bad. And so I'm like, yeah, like I, I I heard my family when they said it, right? They were like, oh, this is ghetto. Like these people, you know, need to get jobs, da, 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 da. Well, like Chicago didn't become Chicago because there was a plethora of opportunity and resources, right? Chicago becomes a Chicago when there is direct divestment from that place. And literally people are there left to fight over the limited resources, that are left over after that divestment. It's the same thing you see in a society. Because of our inequality, because there is a constant transfer of wealth from the lower to the upper and the middle class is all but disappeared, 
<clears throat> you have people who are like, hey, y'all are not holding up your portion of the societal contract that says that if I go to work, that if I go to school, if I do all the things that America told me to do to pull myself up by my bootstraps, I'll be able to live a decent life. And so literally with this inequality, we are creating a new generation of people who are like, fuck it, because y'all have already proven that I can do all the things that society tells me to do. And I'm not going to get back what society told me I was going to get back from it. And so these smash and grabs were literally predictable. They were literally predictable. Not only do politicians know this, businesses know it as well. They have to know it, right? Because I don't know if y'all work in corporate, but there are very smart people who get paid a shit ton of money to figure out asset protection, things like that. So they know this. The problem, though, is that late stage capitalism has literally set in. And now that all of us are priced out of just about everything and companies are doing everything they get, they can to extract every single dollar from us. They can't really back back, which means they can't come up and be like, hey, we already know that we need to pay our people more in order to lower crime, including at our stores and with these smash and grabs. But we can't do that because at this point we got to keep eating. We got to keep extracting as much money as possible. So wanted to put y'all on the Gini coefficient and let you know that when you see things like this, a lot of times, a lot of that stuff is not only predictable, but it's deeper than just, hey, then people are ghetto. Hey, then people need to go get a job. Like, take a look at all of the societal things that are feeding into this behavior. And I promise you, I, I promise you, if we start fixing those root issues not the shit, not the headline, right? Not the shit we see on TV. I'm talking about the root issues, the inequality, the joblessness, the hopelessness, right? The mental health issues, the lack of education, book bans, things like that. If we start to fix those things, that shit will permeate through society the same way that inequality has permeated through society to create a situation like we are now. That shit takes time, but it is obviously reversible. So that's topic number five. And that's what I got for y'all. Um, couple things. I wanted to give a, a couple shout outs real quick. Um, number one, um, to Dallas Weekly, who is having their best of Black Dallas award ceremony this Friday. Um, Jess Washington, Latoya Henry, who has been on this show. Um, she's dope. They're going to be hosting it. Um, just going to be a great event. So looking forward to that. Also, um, the Chamber of Co Black Chamber of Commerce here in Dallas, they're going to be having their awards gala as well. I just found out that Eric Benet is going to be there. That shit is dope. Um, and then also Saturday night, Toast for Charity is going to be doing their annual holiday party. So shout out to Lamar Quinn, who will be a guest on the show come um, January. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, shout out to um, Kenny and all of his glory. And uh, of course, Great Black Century um, for everything that he does um, for the show. And yeah, we will be uh, back with y'all through the holidays, making sure that we're following, <clears throat> excuse me, this this Colorado case in particular, as well as um, some Supreme Court cases that we should have on our radar, specifically around um, <clears throat> tech companies um, and um, and social media companies. So, yeah, thank you all for letting me rock with y'all. I know it's a quick episode, but it was just me tonight. So, yeah, y'all be good. And I will see y'all next week. Later. Wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge.